1: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at two hundred k for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically, for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's PACASO.com.
2: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking.
3: Hey there, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks the future and says jambalaya and a crawfish pie and a filet gumbo. I'm Jonathan Strickland.
0: I'm Lauren Volkerbaum.
3: And I'm Joe McCormick. And, and today. You're hungry. <laughs> Well, I actually I am hungry. I'm
0: pretty much always hungry.
3: I, I ate too early today and now I am hungry.
0: It's my secret. I'm always hungry. <laughs> so <laughs> today
1: for lunch I went to a, a local uh what would you call it? Shrine.
3: Yeah. Uh, a local local a,
1: establishment called Eats.
3: It's a southern cafeteria. Uh
1: huh. It's called Eats. The sign for which I always think I don't think anybody agrees with me, but to me the sign for Eats looks like it says Ents. <laughs> So, I call it ends.
3: So, so a lunch there can last upwards of 10 years. It really could. It could be in your body that long. Yeah. Uh, Joe, Joe decided to be adventurous and try something that he doesn't normally try.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't like my, my new dishes as much today as I like their, their standard, like jerk chicken, which is pretty good. They're but, really known for but it. But it is definitely always worth being a little adventurous in, sure. in the kitchen, trying something new.
3: Yeah, and, and, Another thing we wanted to mention, the new thing is going to become really important later on, mm-hmm. and it gets weird, y'all. But before we get there, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the kitchen has for a really long time been kind of a gateway to technology in the home.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. People are very technologically adventurous in the kitchen as well as yeah. Uh, food-wise.
3: Yeah, I think I even was looking around, and, and the reason why whenever CES rolls around that used to be known as the Consumer Electronics Showcase, but now it's just CES. Uh, there's always a huge number of uh, various uh, appliances and inventions that are kitchen-oriented, and it's largely because when it comes to technology, we tend to adopt it for the kitchen pretty early. People love kitchen gadgets. Oh, yeah. I mean, late-night TV filled with the various kitchen gadgets of questionable quality, many of which I own. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about how the kitchen is kind of this this gateway to home automation and, and programmable uh, appliances before we get into the concept of robot chefs and AI getting involved in our food. Just to kind of illustrate how it's been changing even uh, just recently.
0: Oh, sure. We take all of these automated kitchen devices very much for granted these days. You know, your, your coffee maker that you can mm-hmm. program to go off whenever you want coffee uh in anticipation of when you're going to want coffee but <laughs>
3: which is always
0: but uh but, but getting to this point has been uh, kind of rocky yeah the the very first computer that was built for the kitchen was okay to be fair more of a marketing ploy than it was a real product but this was in 1969 and at the time even jane jetson's kitchen still ran on punch cards <laughs> uh so to stir up publicity retailer neiman marcus Paired up with technology innovator Honeywell to promote a kitchen computer, which would plan menus for you based around a single main course. Mm-hmm. It also weighed about a hundred pounds <laughs> uh, and was so large that it came in the form of like a small kitchen island with a cutting board and everything. Uh, it, it was it was really a repackaged Honeywell 316, which was a 16-bit mini computer by mini computer they meant smaller than a room right. at the time yeah. and 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 these things were commonly used in in like commercial and industrial applications so <laughs> it, it was it was so complex to use that the companies offered a complimentary two week programming course to potential buyers wow I, like it had it had no screen it was just like a flashing light display <laughs> that communicated in binary code so uh Only 20 were ever produced, and those only after public interest was way higher than they anticipated. So it was basically – it was like, hey, talk about this thing that we might possibly do.
3: To be fair now this is an era where people were really looking forward, like the the home of the future, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This this idea of everything is going to be easier from now on because it's all going to be automated. This is still a story we're telling today. Oh, sure. But it's obviously taken a lot longer than what we anticipated. So I'm curious – if back in those days I wanted one of these miraculous machines to grace my kitchen, how much might I be expected to pay for such a thing?
0: Uh well, it was priced at $10,600. Wow. Wow. Yes, uh but when you account for inflation in today's dollars, that is worth 68,925.
3: <laughs> So, so for the price of just a couple of automobiles.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's, it's unlikely that any were ever sold.
3: Gotcha. Wow. That is pretty amazing. But, you know, obviously that was not just the beginning and the end of this, this, you know, trend in trying to create automated devices for the kitchen.
0: Oh, sure. It it would take the level of miniaturization and the level of Internet access that came along in the the late 80s and early 90s to really kick off the creation of inexpensive and actually marketable devices Mm -hmm. that do not talk to you in binary code. The the first touchscreen fridge, for example, debuted in 1999 from Electrolux, and uh, Basically, after that, we've been living in a, in a rush of kitchen tech.
1: You know, I feel like, uh, crowdfunding websites mm. are just chock full of kitchen gadgets yeah. that oh, yeah. people are trying to fund. Like
3: immersion cookers, that kind of thing. I mean, I remember seeing that, like, for sous vide type approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been seeing those, uh, f- crowdfunded for a while, but all sorts of kitchen gadgets are, yeah. are up there. And, uh, I mean, I, I think of, like, when you're thinking about the, the, the history of automation in the kitchen, uh, things like dishwashers obviously spring to mind and coffee uh, coffee makers like we were saying earlier and also things like uh, bread makers. I mean I remember when bread makers oh, really man. became a thing.
1: Yeah, my parents got one when I was a kid and I remember – I remember it being an extremely long, laborious process to make even with the bread maker. But if you,
3: if you were doing something like putting the ingredients in in the morning and starting it off and then just letting it go, mm-hmm. then by evening you had a fresh baked loaf of bread. The house smelled of bread. This was a miracle machine as far as I was concerned because my mom makes amazing homemade bread, mm-hmm. but because doing it by hand is even more laborious than mm-hmm. using a bread maker. Oh, yeah. It was so infrequent that this meant that we actually got to have it more often, which in my mind was amazing. Yeah. So some of the things I wanted to mention before we get into the robot stuff, just some some more examples of uh, technology that's becoming available now, uh, stuff that, that – Just
1: general automated cooking gadgets. Yeah,
3: things that have debuted at CES recently, that kind of stuff. One was the Rodimatic. I love the name already, uh, but it's an automatic roti cooker. So you can get
1: – Like R-O-T-I.
3: R-O-T-I, yeah. The,
1: the Indian pancake type yes. thing. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So you just load the ingredients. They have these different canisters that hold the various ingredients so that they mix them in the proper proportions. And and uh, you then set it and it cooks about one per minute. So uh, – if I had more room in my kitchen, I would get one of these because I think that is amazing. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think my wife would kill me. I, I'm the cook in our family, by the way. So to me, like these are the things that appeal to me. And then mm-hmm. I think I don't have physical space for it. So it's hard for me to justify purchasing it. Um, the smarter coffee maker, uh, this is one of those things that, you you wouldn't really think you need it until you see it, and then you think, oh, oh kinda totally. Seven need this. of them. Yeah, well, I don't understand the
1: appeal. What's the deal?
3: So the smarter coffee maker goes beyond programming. Like you know, we're used to the programmable coffee makers at this point. If you have one of those, then you can you know you load it up and you say, all right, at at six thirty in the morning, start brewing my cup of coffee, so that way I have it as soon as I get up mm-hmm. and come downstairs or whatever. The smarter coffee maker goes beyond that. You can actually access it through an app. So you use your app to tell your coffee maker exactly how much coffee you want to make. So if you want a big cup of coffee, you say, use this much water versus that much water. Um, it also will keep track of how many beans are still in the coffee maker. So when it gets low, you can reload it, add more beans to it. So uh, kind of an Internet of Things approach to making coffee. Uh, there was the XYZ printing uh 3D food printer, which was shown at CES, that was capable of using sweets or cookie dough and printing it in different shapes. So not quite the 3D printer that makes a pizza, but one that could make, you know, Christmas cookies if you wanted or whatever shape cookies you wanted. Uh, so you know, I don't know how many people would actually get one of those again like – My immediate response is, I totally don't need that, but I totally kind of want one. Uh, there was the Pico Brew Zymatic, which is an automated beer brewing device. Takes four, (laughs) four hours to brew an unfermented beer.
1: I looked up, I saw your note on this and I was like, an unfermented, unfermented beer.
0: the point of beer?
1: Yeah, it is. No. So the unfermented <laughs> beer is not what you drink. No. So it'll make this and then you can ferment it. Right. And then you can have beer. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking, what would that be like? I'm sure it would be gross. Uh, I don't think they're suggesting you drink it at this stage. No. Unfermented beer is called wort, wort with an O, wort, wort? I don't know how you say it. I guess it's just wort. just wort. You're saying wort.
3: it like one of the crunts from Halo. Yeah. It's yeah. like wort, wort.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Not a Halo player. Anyway, but it's this, this sugary grain-based liquid that becomes beer through the process of fermentation.
3: Right. So this would be something that would speed up that process and automate it so that you don't have to have the same level of – um you don't have to babysit it as much, mm. right? That's the that's the big thing until you get to the fermentation stage, which obviously would go outside of this, this device. Yeah,
1: I was reading a little bit about it, and it said that the main appeal of this thing is if you want to be able to experiment with a lot of different recipes with very precise measurements. Yeah.
3: Also, it appeals to people who live in a place where they might not have a lot of space to do this kind of stuff on their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, So people who might live in an apartment or a townhouse where they don't have like a big garage or something, uh, it was very appealing for those folks as well. Uh, Whirlpool went bonkers at CES and showed off a fully interconnected kitchen with all the different appliances, able to talk to all the other different appliances. It even included an interactive backsplash so you could get like, Recipes printed on your backsplash while you're working on stuff and cooktops that could actually link to your social media profiles. (laughs) So if you wanted if if you wanted to take the step out of tweeting what it is you're having for dinner. Jonathan Strickland is using medium high heat. (laughs) Exactly. I can't say that I immediately recognize the appeal, but it certainly was built into it.
0: Well, people are very fond of, you know, posting their dinner. That's on true. Social media. That's so, true. And you know, if you if you're doing that three times a day every day, it it just wears out your your type and
3: thumb.
1: Yeah. You know, I feel like people are are more fond of of posting their brunch or lunch rather than dinner. Maybe I'm wrong.
3: I think it depends on where you're eating. If you're eating at home, um, I, like I weekend
1: brunch or lunch.
3: I'm I'm sure
0: there's there's statistics out there for this. Yeah. Big data. Get back to us. Yeah,
3: I think it probably also would give you an indication of how well someone's date is going. Yeah. Based upon the number and (laughs) and frequency of food-related tweets you see from that person.
1: Okay, Jonathan, sorry. Everything you've said so far, I'm unimpressed. I want a robot or (laughs) cyborg-type organism or machine that cooks for me.
3: Well, I have some good news for you, Joe. There are top people – (laughs) I always want to say top men because that's the Raiders quote. But come on. Let's be fair. There are top – in fact, one of the people who is behind – one of the robot chefs I'm going to talk about is an 18-year-old lady. And she really impressed me because I got to meet her in person on an airplane on the way to CES. Oh, cool. But – so why don't we have robot cooks?
1: Well (laughs) – I mean, that that could be asked about almost anything. Where like, we don't, why don't we have
3: robot butlers? Yeah, well,
1: why don't we? I mean, that's a good question. And the answer is actually, I think, fairly similar because yeah. these jobs require all kinds of versatility of mm-hmm. movement and recognition, you know, multiple different types of artificial intelligence mm-hmm. converging uh, on a task that can become pretty intuitive to us. But think about all the different types of AI it needs. It needs Spatial awareness mm-hmm. and manipulating objects and visually recognizing things and understanding what tastes are. I mean, uh, a right?
0: lot of manual dexterity. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah no, there, it is incredibly complicated, but that hasn't stopped various people from trying to create types of robots that would help with cooking. So, uh, you know, we've already talked about some automated devices that are, you could think of them almost like robots. Uh, and they certainly have some functions that are, are similar to robotic functions. But they're very, very specific in their the the tasks they can do, which not a big surprise, right? Because when we talk about robots, that's that tends to be the case. We talk about people designing robots for very specific tasks. That's way easier than designing a robot for general tasks. So one of those companies is called uh, Serenity Kitchen. Serenity is spelled S E R E N E T I. Yeah, uh, it and, looks
1: like Serengeti.
3: Yeah, yeah. I keep wanting calling calling it a Serenetti Kitchen, but Serenity Kitchen. This is this is the group that. I got to meet on an airplane trip to CES. I was flying in the very back of a plane, and the row immediately ahead of me were the people from uh, Serenity Kitchen, which it was three young students, uh, uh, one of whom uh, was the person who came up with the idea. She was the 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 brains behind the concept. Cool, and it was a brilliant concept. So, the basic idea was that you have a essentially a cooking surface. And a robotic arm mounted above the cooking surface. And the robotic arm could create a stirring motion to stir whatever was in a pan that's on top of that cooking surface. Mm -hmm. So you would put ingredients into the pan. The robot arm would continuously stir it until the food is done. And that way you wouldn't have to – Stand the food. there and yeah. stir.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just just the application for making a roux.
3: Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Something like that would be incredibly. Now, they thai. were looking they were actually using it to show off uh things like Pad Thai. Uh, they were showing a lot of uh Eastern dishes. And they said, well, we also have applied this for Western dishes like, a, you know, if you wanted to make a spaghetti or whatever. And they said, really, the the first target audience we're looking at are college students, people who would maybe go and buy a cheap microwave dinner, which typically doesn't taste very good and usually isn't very good for you. Mm-hmm. So what if you could create a device that would make uh, the the healthy food for you? You know, you just dump the ingredients into whatever and it would do the rest of the work because college students are lazy and it would allow them to to not have to put forth that kind of effort and they would get the benefit of a healthy dinner mm-hmm. uh, cooked for them. And the brilliant part of their approach – was that their plan wasn't to sell expensive robot cooks. Uh, they were actually looking at using the robot cook as sort of a lost leader, the same way that a lot yeah. of video game consoles come out.
1: That's immediately what I thought of, like the they you know they're not making a lot of money selling you a PlayStation 4 or something they're hoping that you're they're going to make it back in you buying games mm-hmm. right
3: so instead of games we're talking about meals so they actually compared it to Keurig which makes sense the coffee maker that uses the little pods they said well you know you could buy this this device uh If you wanted to buy it outright, you could, but that would cost somewhere around the neighborhood of 599 US dollars. It's pretty expensive, uh, you know, for something that would not be a, a direct replacement for a large appliance in your kitchen. But they had a subscription plan where you could subscribe to a service that would send you the ingredients for 10 meals a month for three years. So it's a three year commitment. And then the robot would cost just $99. The subscription would be $50 a month. And that sounds like a lot at first, but then when you figure, wait, it's 10 meals in a month, that's 5 bucks a meal, that's a fast food meal right yeah, there, sure. but you're getting fresh ingredients. Mm-hmm. So the idea being that, uh, you know, this would be a way to get people locked into a system where they would get the delivery 10 meals a month. They'd be able to use this. They could use it for other things too if they had the ingredients on hand. But these would be things the robot would be specifically programmed to handle. So you'd put the ingredients in, uh, either directly in the pan or their actual plan has a robot that would have trays and mm-hmm. you would put the ingredients into the, the individual trays uh according to the directions of the recipe. And then the robot would add the ingredients as mm. needed in the process yeah, of yeah, making that yeah.
0: recipe. After two minutes of sauteing the onions, yeah. then you put in the carrots and then you put in the meat and then et cetera. Right.
3: Exactly, yeah. So that way you you cook the various ingredients the right amount of time so that it's the right consistency, texture, uh nutritional value, all that kind of stuff. And I thought this was brilliant. I thought that their business plan really appealed to me because you could tell they got it. They It was a very uh, an innovative approach, not just, hey, we'll sell them the equipment, more like, hey, we'll sell the equipment at a big discount, but we'll really make the money on the food part. And as long as the food is good and the robot does what it's supposed to do, then that's a great business plan. So if you look at the images of what it actually the working model they brought to CES, what it looked like. And then you look at the the mock-ups of what they want it to look like when it's a an actual consumer product, it's miles apart. But that makes sense because it's a prototype versus what would be the, the finished product. Uh, but you know, they did launch an Indiegogo campaign which they ended early. I think they ended it after four days. Uh, and the reason they did was they said they got a lot of feedback that they thought was helpful and they wanted to incorporate in the design, but they didn't feel like continuing with the Indiegogo campaign would reflect that. Uh, so they okay. ended it and yeah. said, we're gonna come back in a few months with a new design based upon the feedback we're receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, they also were talking about that it would be great in the future if the robot could do more than just, you know, it's essentially it's just adding ingredients and stirring. Um, if it could do more than that, like do more of the prep work uh yeah. or or you know it work could with...
1: do butchering <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> so i was thinking mainly they can
0: debone a fish
3: you know or maybe maybe even something a little more simple like being able to flip over an omelet or something cuz mm-hmm. as as opposed to just stirring um so that was really interesting to me and like i said i was really impressed by their their ingenuity uh and really their business plan it was beyond just the technology which was already interesting but the idea that they they were like well Convincing people to buy an expensive robot is kind of a no-win approach. Like it's, you know, unless you are just, you know, determined to go after a very niche audience, you're not really gonna make a lot of sales that way. Uh, but then we can look at a different one, a different approach. That doesn't really concern itself too much with making affordable robots.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's say that that we are still, or that Joe, at the very least, is still deeply unimpressed. Right, with like, this entire plan. Like
3: he he needs something that's going to do way more work than just stirring the 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 food. And he says, you know, those kids over at Serenity, they're they're great and all, but I need I need a heavy duty robo chef, not just a cook. I need a chef.
1: I want arms that operate on a rail above the stove and counter. Well,
3: I have news for you, my friend. (laughs) Moley Robotics, That's a London-based company that created a robo chef. It's more advanced than the cookie concept. Cookie, by the way, is the name of the robot from Serenity Kitchen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it actually incorporates learning algorithms, or at least the end product is supposed to, Meaning that you can show the robot how to make something and then it will then be able to make it, you know, repeat that that process and make that thing for you in the future.
1: Yeah, so I watched a demonstration video of this robot trying – I think it was making some crab bisque. I'm not Mm – Positive, but okay. I, that's the impression I got because they mentioned crab bisque and the soup looked kind of bisky.
3: It took a fresh crab and cracked it over the pot. <laughs>
1: All right, <laughs> yeah. crack in two fresh crabs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, but it was it was kind of like it was a pair of arms, yes. that are hooked to a rail over mm. the stove area and they and move, cutting board area, yeah. yeah, moving back and forth, grabbing ingredients, pouring them into the pot, stirring them up, adding things.
0: But 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 how does it learn how to do all of this?
1: Ah well <laughs> the funny thing is it doesn't have any idea what the heck it's doing. Yeah. So it doesn't you know, when it grabs the olive oil and adds that to the pot, if you were to put a bottle of arsenic where the <laughs> olive oil is, it would just add that all the same. It it learns based on uh basically spatial memory From observing a human do the same actions. Which
3: means that you have to place the ingredients in the same spots as when you you taught the robot how to do this thing.
0: Uh, Sure, sure. And and it could be slightly less catastrophic than arsenic versus olive oil. It It could could be be as simple as vinegar versus olive oil. Sure.
3: Yeah, that would make the taste Of the dish, quite different. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and also for the the cooking (laughs) patterns. Yes, (laughs) the ingredients. The ingredients you would use, you might put in very special containers that are specific Mm -hmm. sizes uh, and and shapes, and that would allow the robot to know. All right, uh, the thing that's in the round container that's three inches tall goes in next. Then mm-hmm. the squarish container that's four inches tall, that gets added after that. Like it has, it, it, it's like a program. It follows a specific set of steps and you can show it what steps it has to follow, but you then have to set everything up exactly the same way. So it can follow those steps. It can't just take raw ingredients that are piled in, in, on the kitchen counter mm-hmm. and then chop them up figure and figure out what to do in. with them. Yeah, yeah. But, but
0: it's still pretty cool because once you show it how to create a recipe, it can, it can remember that forever.
3: And it can create that recipe without any variation. Like mm-hmm. it can be perfectly consistent. So you can see how something like this would be incredibly useful in a restaurant environment.
1: Yeah, where your goal is to do it the same every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you
3: want you want the dishes to be as consistent as possible. You don't want there to be a lot of variation unless there's you know a request from uh, a customer saying, you know, I'm allergic to such yeah. and such. Don't can put that Can you please in
1: replace my olive oil with – with vinegar, vinegar yeah. yeah
3: the, when you're, you know, that person. Uh, so the...
1: <laughs> oh, man, what a great curdled bisque. That <laughs>
3: <laughs> so Ooh. one of the big challenges they had was creating... Uh, hands that would mimic the the utility of a human hand because yeah,
1: they're, I bet. they're I pretty mean, complex. That's still a robotics problem.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. And they did a pretty good job. They said that they had almost all the same degrees of freedom of movement that a human hand has. They said that really the only part of a human hand that they weren't – they didn't replicate for the purposes of this robot was the ability to kind of – not dislocate, but but to shift your thumb over, and ah, you know, huh, like okay. they, they that one they said w- wasn't necessary for them to be able to hold on to the various implements, and they use the exact same type of kitchen utensils that we humans would use, like a ladle or a spoon or or whatever. Uh, those can be hung up, and the robot can can recognize which ones are which and grab the appropriate one at any given point of the recipe. Um, <laughs> they said it was really tough. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. I'm just imagining a scene in a movie where somebody has one of these in their house and they get murdered because somebody comes in and teaches the robot how to stab. Yeah.
3: Let's hope that that would be against its protocol. Like I would say, I'm sorry. That's against my, my, uh, law of cooks, uh, robotics division. Yeah. Um, so it also can't sense some of the more delicate processes that are involved in cooking things that have some variability to them. Yeah. And the example that they gave which I thought was a very uh it was a great example was if you want to beat eggs so that they start to peak, yeah, like you know, egg whites. Yeah, egg whites yeah. like if you're trying to like you're trying to get to a meringue or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh and you're beating these egg whites it doesn't – sometimes it takes a little longer than other times. Like it, it, it can depend upon the – you know, whatever eggs you got at whatever time of uh-huh. year. Yeah,
0: the, uh, the, the temperature of the bowl and of the eggs and the humidity in the room.
3: Yeah, so these these variables may be difficult for a robot to sense initially. So that would mean the robot would not necessarily have the, the ability to predict how long it would take to get to the right point. So for something like that, you would need to build in other elements for the robot to be able to sense when it needed to stop. Like
0: uh, right, you know, uh, like um, like, like the resistance of the whisk going through. Yeah, the or product
3: it or... may it may be as simple as some stereoscopic cameras that can get a good visual uh, uh, idea of what's going on, or the resistance sensors. It might be a combination. Probably would be mm-hmm. to try and uh, increase the accuracy as much as possible. Although peaks are 90% stiff. You have to, you know, you have to balance the accuracy versus the cost that it adds to the overall yeah. device yeah. obviously. But yeah, that's one of those things where that would they hope to have that built into future versions of this. Uh the BBC covered this RoboChef in a story and mentioned that it was being trained by Tim Anderson. No. Oh. Who was mm-hmm. a BBC MasterChef champion in 2011.
0: Tim, I want to be a cooking robot.
3: Yeah. Yeah, would you learn from Tim Anderson? Uh, yeah, Sounds yeah. pretty cool. I keep wanting to call him Master Chief instead of Master <laughs> Chef. I see Master <laughs> Chef and I'm like, he's Master Chief. Uh
0: <laughs> This is the most Halo-centric cooking episode I yeah. think that has ever been recorded by anyone. Wart
3: wart. Uh, wart, wart so wart. ideally, uh you would end up getting this this very consistent result. So it might not be the most exciting thing for a home chef, like a home cook, uh, unless you just, you know, there's, you know, there's this one dish that you love and you love, you know, how it's made uh, every time, then obviously that would be desirable to you. But uh some people say, well, it kind of takes the experimentation part out of cooking. Um And so it really depends upon your approach to cooking in the first place. Some people take a more out and Brown kind of chemist approach and physics-based uh mm-hmm. based approach. And some people are a little
0: more – We call them bakers. <laughs>
3: yeah, some people are a little more loosey-goosey. Uh, we call them me. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I am not – I don't bake well because I'm a little too loosey-goosey with the rules. And that does not work in baking. No. Um, Do you not own a scale? I do own a scale, actually. Uh, I don't use like it. Some typically.
0: people were really bad at potions or chemistry, depending on which universe you live in. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and some,
3: you know. Yeah, I, I was, I was, uh. That was always my strong point. I am, I'm I in fact a baker. Great in charms, but mm-hmm. terrible in potions. Uh, so they want to develop this further. They want to make the, the finished consumer version smaller. It's a larger form factor than they would prefer right now to try and put on a consumer market. And they also want to incorporate other things in the robot itself, like a small refrigerator and a dishwasher. So it would actually replace certain things in your home and therefore maybe justify the incredibly expensive Expensive price tag. So the BBC says the estimated price will be around ten thousand pounds or fifteen thousand six hundred dollars US for the okay. for the cheap version. Oof. The expensive version would be closer to seventy two thousand dollars.
0: Oh wow! Wow, more so, expensive
3: than the Honeywell computer. Yeah, I was
0: about to say we're we're getting right back into Honeywell territory. Yeah, that's, that's exciting.
3: Yeah, so this would uh, not necessarily be something your average home would would have in, uh, incorporated into the yeah. kitchen.
0: Well,
1: I mean, uh, kitchen
0: appliances are expensive, but
1: I will start thinking about going to the bank and getting a loan. For this, if this thing can devein
3: shrimp,
0: (laughs) and pit cherries, throw in throw in a cherry pitter, and I'm in. I I
3: I feel your pain. I certainly would. You know, for me, it's like the idea of cleaning fish. I can't do that. But I would buy a machine that could. Um, so one of the things we also wanted to mention was that, you know, robots are one thing, right? The the automation of these tasks that would free up a lot of time for us so we could do something else. And uh, for those of us who, you know, we might enjoy cooking, but there's certain parts of cooking that we find tedious. We could give that over to the machines. But what about going a step further and having artificial intelligence inform the types of foods we prepare in the first place.
1: So there you mean the capacity of a chef not to do the physical act of cooking, but to come up with recipes. Right. To invent dishes.
3: Exactly. To innovate. Not just to follow a set of instructions, but to come up with new instructions. Perhaps combinations and instructions that have never before been attempted by humans
1: and never should be
3: <laughs> some of which may fall into that category so we, we want we
1: can talk about it
3: yeah we're going to talk about chef watson uh so watson hey we talked about watson recently yeah so uh, this would be the, the
1: it's been a watson kind of month it has yes. been yeah
3: watson it, it's funny on forward thinking i've been talking all about watson and on tech stuff i've been talking about
1: the manhattan project the Manhattan
3: Project the, and post-apocalyptic technology and, uh-huh. and radiocarbon dating. So, I guess I just get on a, kind of a, a streak after a while. But with Watson, in case you don't remember, Watson's the computer developed by IBM. It played on Jeopardy and won against two returning champions.
1: Cause humans aren't smart. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They were very smart. But the computer had a very impressive performance.
3: Yeah, and it's a, it's a cognitive computer. It learns, uh, and as, as it is trained, it learns how to perform certain tasks, whether it's actual physical tasks, you know, if you have a robotic component or just, you know, the process of something uh, better and better as it as it's as you train it and tell it, yes, you've done a good job. That's exactly what we want. Or no, this is not the result we wanted. Then it can start to learn and uh, do them more and more efficiently. So Watson's been used for all sorts of stuff. We talked about it in the tone analyzer episode it's also been used to help with uh the in the medical field to help Uh, lots of different processes. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: uh, Anything that you want to do that requires you to, to bring a whole bunch of information to the table. It's, it's really great for. Yeah.
3: And it can, it can end up kind of, uh, weighing that information and giving you at least an idea of what information seems to be the most relevant. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's obviously making guesses in some cases, but they're very educated guesses based upon huge volumes of information. Well, Chef Watson is using that same technology, but in the process of creating recipes. Uh, IBM calls it cognitive cooking. And <laughs> it's based upon a couple of things, the historic uses of various ingredients, as well as the chemical composition of those ingredients themselves and which chemical compositions would be most likely to complement one another.
1: So it is going to be learning in large part from recipes, from recipes that
3: exist. It did, yeah. They, they fed it 35,000 recipes, uh, essentially.
0: Al- along with a whole lot of uh, information like, like food pairing theories and that, that flavor compound chemistry and just cultural taste preferences.
3: Right. So that way, with all that information combined, it could start coming up with really interesting recipes new
0: recipes yes so
3: they they showed this off ibm showed this off in in the perfect way in my mind they got a food truck and they sent it to south by southwest interactive which makes perfect sense it's a huge festival a lot Mm -hmm. of a lot of influential people from various businesses are there and um What they did was they gave people the opportunity to vote on one of several different dishes that had uh, been invented by Chef Watson. So Watson would go through its database and say, all right, well, traditionally, this ingredient could be paired with this other ingredient, but I'm going to do that. And because I know that that's going to produce this one type of taste, that taste would probably go really well with this other thing that no one's ever really bothered to combine with these and that's going to be my recipe. So attendees would <laughs> end up seeing the the candidates and then vote on Twitter mm-hmm. and essentially do a hashtag and their mm-hmm. choice. And then whichever one got the most votes would be the one that uh, the, the food truck would deliver the next day. So you could go to the food truck and, and get a sample of that and try it out. Now, Uh, to be
1: clear, this food
3: was not prepared by
1: robots.
0: No, no. Watson was not in the food truck. No.
3: Well, Watson. With arms. (laughs) Right. Watson and spirit (laughs) was in the food truck. Yeah. Uh, The the Watson technology remained back at IBM. Yeah. And was connected through the cloud. Uh, The humans were actually preparing the stuff, but they were preparing the recipes based off of an artificial intelligence creation. So this was innovated by a machine, not by a human. The humans, this is kind of like the opposite of what we were just talking about, right? Right. yeah. yeah. Instead of the robot preparing these ingredients and making a meal, the robot came up with which ingredients you were going to use, and then you created the meal.
1: Yeah. So uh, – This is the model where you become the robot. Yes. And just perform out of blind faith exactly what the machine tells you to do.
3: Yeah. Uh, you, you become one of the, the, the drones in the 1984 Macintosh commercial. Who uh, truly <laughs> is the robot. But, hey, you're a robot that gets to eat some potentially tasty and probably really weird food. Let's talk about that. Well, all right, let's talk about some of the examples that uh, they they came up with at the the food truck. So, uh, they had stuff like uh, Belgian bacon pudding. I don't know exactly what that was. The The one that they gave the most attention to in the videos I watched was an apple kebab, Vietnamese apple kebab. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. It was apples and pork, which have been used quite a few times, like apple pork, apple sausage kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And mushrooms were the other uh, key ingredient in this, along with some other ones. Um, and the program had identified a common flavor compound in apples and pork and calculated that if the two combined, that would make a pleasant flavor and added the mushrooms in. And, in fact, the people behind it said, this was interesting. I never would have thought to add mushrooms to this particular dish. But people seemed to react to it positively. Uh, they also had other stuff like coconut Caribbean snapper fish and chips, which I'm down with. Yeah,
0: that sounds um, great.
3: They had a beef burrito that contained two ounces of dark chocolate. Which yeah, I, I first reacted. That. Yeah. First, my first reaction was weird. And then I thought, Oh, oh I chicken mole. I, I yeah. Mean, no, mole sauce is, is, I yeah. put
1: a tiny amount of dark chocolate into my chili recipe. Yeah. yeah me too. Which yeah.
3: that makes sense. You know, I, I uh, end up putting in a, a, an adult beverage in my chili recipe. And I it might surprise you because I don't drink adult beverages. <laughs> it often means that I am left over with quite a bit of adult beverage that I need <laughs> to get rid of because they don't sell it in the small amount I need. <laughs> Not usually. No. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, if you wanted to give this a try, you don't have to wait for the food truck to show up in your neighborhood. Uh, instead, you can actually go to the website, the Chef Watson website, and you can sign in using something like a Facebook profile or the IBM ID, and you then can experiment. So it has an, uh, a place where you can put in an ingredient, and you can put, on I think, up to four ingredients, maybe more than that. I just I remember seeing four on the screen. And uh, you can start with just putting in a single one and then it'll fill out the rest for you. Or you can go in and fill in, you know, no, I want these two paired together and then tell me what I can make from that.
0: And you can also fill in things that you don't want to put in. For, yeah. for example, I really shouldn't have uh, bell peppers, so I yeah. could say no bell peppers.
3: Yep. Yeah. And in fact, uh, I did that as well because I thought, hey, I might actually use this in the near future, but one of the people I'll be cooking for can't have tomatoes, so I have to eliminate tomatoes from that. Otherwise, I would just have to go through recipe by recipe you know and that gets tedious yeah
0: yeah Uh, ibm teamed up with bon appetit to create this app and they've also published a cookbook of watson's recipes with the institute for culinary education Mm -hmm. which is the team of chefs that they work together with to develop the software in the beginning
3: recipe i want to try is called uh broccoli fricassee which is pretty interesting to me like it actually sounded really appealing It was also kind of odd because broccoli was the ingredient I put in at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I was like, tell me the kind of stuff I can make with broccoli. It filled out the other ingredients. I think it added cauliflower. Well, first it added tomato. And I said, oh, no, I can't have that. I knocked it off. They replaced tomato with cauliflower. Okay. And then I can't remember what the other two ingredients that it added before. It just gave me the list of recipes. (laughs) Uh, But – it was funny because it, it was called Broccoli Fricassee, and then I looked at the the uh, the recipe itself, and I was like, oh, this does sound really good. And then it occurred to me, hey, I haven't seen broccoli yet. And it <laughs> turned out that the broccoli was an optional ingredient in Broccoli Fricassee, and instead of using noodles, which is how the regular recipe was being presented, it said you could replace the noodles by boiling broccoli and then mashing it up and then putting the rest of the dish on top of that. That would be a base.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So optional broccoli, broccoli fricassee. Yeah,
3: so fricassee, which may or may not have broccoli. (laughs) So that's just one example of something odd that might happen. But that's not the strangest thing we discovered while using Chef Watson.
1: No, I was like, well, I'll give this a spin. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I am also the cook in our household, and I feel like I have fairly decent culinary instincts. So I decided to give it a try. I was disappointed to find... That you can't start with whatever ingredients you want. They're, they're limited by stuff the, the, you know, database, whatever it is already recognizes. So I tried to start with rat meat and it just didn't know what to do with that.
3: Apparently you're like, Hey, what if I am living in a Fallout vault uh-huh. and I have a limited group of ingredients? That That's exactly
1: smoked. when something like this would be really useful.
3: Uh-huh. All right. We'll go on,
1: but okay. So no rat meat recipes, but. Then I thought, okay, maybe mustard greens. I like mustard greens. I'll see what I can do with that. (laughs) One of the top results was something called a mustard greens dumpling, like a Chinese-style dumpling with wonton wrappers. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounded interesting to me. I was like, okay, I'll give it a look. And I clicked on this recipe. And I promise I wasn't doing this to be mean. I wasn't trying to make Watson cry or intentionally display its shortcoming. But I think the results were quite bizarre. So the first thing it tells you to do in the mustard greens dumpling is to fill the dumplings with a food processor minced combination of vegetables and seasonings. I quote, Finely mince scotch bonnet pepper and garlic in food processor. Add okra and okra, brine cured (laughs) olives, niçoise olives, sesame oil, garlic chili sauce, and soy sauce.
3: Well, first of all, let me say, You can never have too much okra. That is true.
1: I like okra, but it I don't know what to do with the okra and okra.
3: You have to finally mince it. It tells you at the beginning of the sentence. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) You add in all the okra. Uh,
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So i I also like okra a lot, too. But even as a fan of okra, this sounds kind of strange to me. Yeah. And maybe I'm just not being open-minded enough, but based on my, like, human... Culinary Instincts, a Chinese dumpling paste that is literally half by weight made up of brine-cured olives, Niçoise olives, and scotch bonnet peppers, sounds absolutely disgusting.
3: Now, you say that, but have you tried one yet? <laughs> no,
1: I haven't. I, I will say be that
3: it, for those who are not familiar with scotch bonnet peppers, they they pack a bit of a punch. Yeah, yeah so these are going to be...
0: Hot, they're hotter than habaneros. Yeah. they're Yeah. They're quite spicy.
1: Yes. These are going to be very spicy. I mean, I like spicy food. That's fine. But more than half of what makes up the filling is going to be olives. Salty, salty And olives. then you're going to add soy sauce to
3: it. And garlic chili
0: sauce.
3: Let's Let's talk about an ingredient that didn't pop up. Oh yeah, wait a minute.
1: (laughs) I I thought I was making mustard green dumplings. What happened to the mustard greens? Well finally, I kept (laughs) reading through it to find where they came in and finally I got to the step, pour enough water into the pot to reach depth of one half inch line steamer rack with mustard greens leaves.
3: So in other words, the steam is going to be passing through the mustard leaves,
1: right? So, so well, I mean, so if you've ever made dumplings in a steamer, yeah. it's a very common practice to lay out cabbage leaves or lettuce leaves or something in the steamer just to sit the dumplings on while they steam. Uh, right. yeah. So and, they don't <laughs>
0: stick to it in the end, and and those kind of things can impart a little bit of flavor yeah. to the dough.
1: So the thing that it calls mustard <laughs> green dumplings is is might have a waft of mustard. <laughs> Green, well, maybe, but it has no mustard greens as an ingredient.
3: Maybe what this tells us is that Watson really hates mustard greens. <laughs> it <laughs> you know, could like, be. I just wanted it to be tangentially related to the
1: cooking process. It, also, there's <laughs> another thing that kind of surprised me, which is that it said this recipe makes 36 servings <laughs> yeah. when there are about four cups of filling. It looks like
0: uh, um, so uh, I, an appetizer, clearly.
1: Yeah, okay. And if, I don't know, if the filling is mostly salty olives and soy sauce, that might be for the best. Anyway, I I don't mean to rag on it too much. I mean, I think the idea of creating an AI chef is really cool, and I can actually see a recipe synthesizer being a better investment, at least in the short term, than a physical robot cook just because of all the problems of, you know, how to navigate the kitchen and recognize ingredients and stuff if you're talking about the physical cook. But to me, this shows the limitations of a system like this when it's trying to work with unstructured data. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I understand that the data that they fed it is, I think, somewhat structured, maybe partially structured. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it could be more well structured. <laughs> so, yeah. so
3: in other words, one of the limitations you would say is that it's listed as the principal ingredient. But in truth, the mustard greens are just used yeah, to produce.
1: Incidental to the recipe, right, pretty but,
3: much. Right, But the, the AI can't tell that, right? right. To the AI, that, that because that's involved in the process, it must therefore be as, as important as these other as anything else, elements right. inside the, uh, the recipe.
1: Yeah. So uh, in my opinion, I would think to design like reliably good cooking instructions without a lot of human compensation, because we can look at recipes like these and say, oh, okay, I could maybe take some of the suggestions of this recipe but, I mean, not follow it word for word mm-hmm. because that would be insane. And, in fact, they even <laughs> tell you to do that. They say, quote, these quantities and steps are ideas, but Chef Watson really needs you to use your own creativity and judgment. Let us know how to make Chef smarter. So they – I mean they understand the limitations, obviously. Right. Um, we're not like pointing out something they haven't figured out. No. No. Sure, yeah, sure.
3: It, and this uh, – to point out, cognitive computing, that's how cognitive computing works, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that you tell the computer, hey, I made this thing you made. It was a monstrosity, and it <laughs> it made me want to burn my house down. Right. Don't do that. Then the computer says, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good on you. But, well, but I will I, not do
1: it again. <laughs> but I do think something like this could maybe work better if you start with more structured data.
3: Yeah. Well, personally – before we make such a bold statement as that, Joe, I think we really do have to make these and find out what happens.
1: Yeah. OK. So you want yeah. me to make some olive dumplings and bring
3: them in? I'll yeah, try it.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll eat one if you bring it in. Well, well, I okay. like scotch bonnets. I'll yeah. bring
3: the water. <laughs> <laughs> you Bring the water. Well, yeah, it's too bad we don't have like a farmer's market nearby the office because I think that would be amazing. Oh, would be, we could shoot a video.
1: Where, where we make, where we make we these make, olive make, dumplings. Yeah, we
3: make the Watson, we should each pick a Watson-based recipe and do okay. a video of it and say, here's yeah. the future of recipes.
0: I think. Do you have any day and dates coming up? Let's, uh, let's work on know, it. You know,
3: I, I'm pretty much sold for the rest of the year, but I'm okay. But I think, I think it actually would benefit us from doing it. I think we need to do this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, cool. no, I'm, I'm, I'm I'll totally in.
0: I, I yeah. mean, cause, cause this is really Fun. It, it's such a fun demonstration of how a tool as powerful as Watson can be used in, in perhaps unexpected ways. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the application of Watson's processing power, the same application can also help us find more effective treatments for diseases mm-hmm. or identify drugs that could be therapeutic in ways other than what they were originally developed for.
3: Right. Or even find potential problems of different medications interfering with one another before you actually prescribe them to a patient. Yeah. yeah. So incredibly powerful tool. And, you know, yes, this this application we're talking about seems a little frivolous, uh, but honestly, I'm excited by it because I love the idea that the recipe for the next amazing dish might be created by an artificial intelligence because it doesn't know the it doesn't know that it's breaking a rule necessarily. Now, I don't don't think the mustard greens dumplings one's going to be it. Well, hey, I
1: want to end with some good news. Now, I did find another recipe under the mustard, because it gives you lots of different recipes to choose from. I found another one that was called Grilled Mustard Greens, Uh Mm -hmm. and it was not for grilled mustard greens. It was actually for grilled cod served on a mustard green salad, but it sounded pretty (laughs) good. I was like, well, maybe I will give this a try. Cod with mustard greens. Now, the picture it had associated with it was a picture of grilled shrimp.
0: And the, <laughs> and the first
1: step in the cod recipe was one word. It said <laughs> I think
3: uh, I think what we're going to need to do – Which I a,
1: don't think applies to cod. I think but.
3: at some point what, what we're going to have to do is create our own – like this will probably be how the singularity actually happens, y'all. <laughs> what we will do is we will create a uh, – we'll, we'll cook a dish – that was created by Chef Watson. Maybe uh, if we were, you know, the the Serenity Kitchen folks are located out of Atlanta. Maybe we'll use a robot to help prepare a dish that was made by a different robot, and then we'll take a picture of that and feed the picture through Google Deep Dream, and that's how the singularity happens. Okay. All right. Okay. I think we've got it planned. You know. So finally that April Fool's episode we released will become yeah. <laughs> true. It'll just yeah. be a little, it'll be a little premature as all.
0: We'll let, we'll let you know when we're, when we're pulling the trigger.
3: Yeah. Uh, but no, I really do, I really am excited about trying this. Whether we do a video on it or not, I am excited about, about using this and seeing how it turns out because even if it fails, it's interesting, right? And, uh, and I love, again, being, being a, a gadget guy and being the cook, this is the kind of stuff that just appeals to me all on its own but i'm curious to hear what our listeners think would you guys use a robot in your kitchen or do you think that that takes the fun out of cooking would you follow a chef watson recipe or have you and if you have let us know what the results were like Uh, chef watson is a very easy app to use so if you want to go out there and give it a shot let us know your results please do i would love to hear it or, of course, if you have any suggestions for future topics, you can let us know. Send us an email. The address is at howstuffworks.com. Or drop us a line on Twitter, Google+, or Facebook. At Twitter and Google+, we are FWThinking. At Facebook, just search FWThinking in the search bar. will pop right up. You can leave us a message. And we will talk to you again really soon.
2: For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota.
1: Let's go places.
2: Ah,
1: ski slopes. Let's
2: do it. Um, ten girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait.
3: Did we just invent California?
2: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
3: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP.